Welcome to Ascend Sounds, a podcast developed by the creators of the Women in Technology World series, featuring thought-provoking episodes from guest speakers sharing their lessons, ideas and advice across career, diversity, technology and business. Welcome to the Maddox Sessions. And for this episode, we're discussing how COVID-19 can be the accelerator of AI adoption in healthcare and why this is the right time for AI. We're joined by two esteemed guests. Firstly, we have Dr. Lubna Burafa, who is the co-founder and CEO of Okra Technologies. Our second speaker is Ipek Osur, Head of Digital Transformation and IT Enabling Functions at Bayer. In today's Maddox sessions, both Lubna and Ipek will break down the role of data and AI in this crisis, the relationship that is needed between technology and the pharmaceutical industry, while analysing how this may be the start of the digital revolution in healthcare. We kick off by asking Ipek, what is AI? Yeah, so uh, uh, what, what is AI? So AI is... Uh from my side, uh, a set of technologies, right? So, or uh, methods uh, that are allowing um, uh, actually uh, uh, the uh, the machines to predict, uh, uh, act, uh, like not act like uh, humans uh, and enable decisions uh, through uh, through the uh, very set of data, right? So, with the with the methodologies, but it's a, it's a set of uh, actually methods of uh, you know image recognition uh, machine learning right so deep learning uh, that is going to allow us uh, to uh, uh, have uh, uh, cognitive decisions uh, in the in the future and I completely agree uh, I uh, for me AI it's, it's about systems that displays intelligent behavior it's not a it's about methodology that is trained using machine learning, but a system that can, as Ipek said, support our cognitive process as a human being, displaying that intelligent behavior in the environment. And um, uh, looking to the history of AI, although it started in, in rule-based systems, in symbolic logic, and that in the, uh, I mean, uh, we saw already in the 70s and the 80s, um, kind of expert systems being used uh, but then we saw also in the 80s a shift to probabilistic uh, models, and uh, uh, but we saw a winter in the end of the 80s where the business community's fascination with AI actually kind of fell due to the economic bubble in the um, end of the 80s. And then we were back again to kind of expert systems and rule-based systems until uh, early this century where we start with the increased computing power we were back to probabilistic uh, AI, which is for me learning from the data and pre, uh, providing suggestions, predictions, whether we are more on kind of low level data like imaging, audio, or more with um, longitudinal data supporting cognitive processes. So um, for uh, for example, at Okra, we build autonomous AI systems. I keep telling my clients when, when we're talking we're not an, uh, a data analysis company. We're not a data crunching company. We are an AI productization company, which means 
Now we integrate all this data uh, with our clients, uh, with uh, combine it with open data and um, third-party data to provide insights for people to use. So it's all about how to empower the user. So it needs to be, for me, a good AI needs to be useful for the people that are using it. It needs to be understandable, very easy to digest and to provide insight that can empower me as a user, but not all the insight that is available. And last, that needs to be very easy to access, very comfortable and user-friendly and to an intuitive interface for the user. And it's 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 a it's a continuous learning system, right? So so that's exactly. that's, the, that's the important part, right? So the the more you put in, uh, and then the more you the cases that the system or the the ecosystem has, mm-hmm. the better results we will get, right? So that's the that's the important part. Uh, this continuous learning and feedback uh, on the on the um, on the ecosystem. Absolutely. So it's not a snapshot from the past. Even the smartest system from yesterday with the new information that is available today is not smart. So that aspect of learning and refreshing is absolutely important and crucial. Thank you um, so much for that introduction. And I think you've um, given us a very sort of concise but thorough overview of what AI is. And I really found it interesting with the relationship between data and um, AI. So I guess my next question is, right now, what is the role of data and AI in this COVID crisis and everything that we're facing? Uh, yeah, so I can, I, can, I can start with, right? So what we have seen with, with COVID is, uh, this is what we were discussing with Laura before, uh, there's a very fast shift to digital. Right, so we started leveraging uh, uh, digital ja- uh, channels in almost uh, in in all areas, uh, and also, of course, uh, including healthcare. So uh, now, with that, of course, we have more data points, uh, and with those more data points, what we can do is we can uh, use uh, the new sources of the data uh, with our own insights to make better decisions, faster decisions. Uh, and uh, we can better link it to uh, the, the the customers that we're working with, uh, or or the patients, uh, and uh, everything around us. So in that sense, it has of course two aspects. Uh, first of all, uh, uh, one is how do we get over the crisis itself, right? So um, we can see that collectively uh, there is. A, uh, uh, all, uh, you know, different healthcare institutions, universities, right? So uh, communities are working together uh, on a joint set of data, uh, first of all, to find uh, 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 different, uh, uh, like, solutions, uh, either call it the vaccine or uh, also the, uh, you know, um, uh, other, other elements of uh, beating the crisis, right? Uh, but next to that, uh, we can see like, you know, all uh, companies, uh, institutions, right? So are also using the, uh, using the, uh, the data and AI to uh, run their operations uh, and to run day-to-day life uh, with, uh, with, within these conditions, right? So, so it has these two aspects to it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, COVID has been a catalyst of, uh, of innovation in many areas. 
um, of course, um, it's uh, it's not a great situation to be in. It's quite unique, but it's almost a kind of a, a kind of like a controlled environment where we can experiment and we can almost are forced to adopt new technologies much faster. And for me, because machine learning and AI, it's all about reducing uncertainty. It's all learning from the data to, I mean, the, the, the raw output of an AI system is finally a probability score telling us how likely something is going to happen. And if you look at this moment, that is a lot of uncertainty and reducing that uncertainty with AI is the crucial aspect for, for, for many of us. And I, as Ipek said, it's on many levels for life sciences and for healthcare. We see it on the virus um, uh, research and around the vaccine and, and the development. Uh, so we saw a lot of effort there. Uh, we saw in the management of services and resources in healthcare systems. So, when, uh, we, for example, around the uh, hospital management and around the ICU occupation level, and uh, also around hospital staff uh, shortage and uh, the, the increasing number of patients. Um, so we saw a lot of initiatives there. Uh, for me, one important thing to mention is around the policy and the decision making on the different countries. I mean, how much, how big the opportunity there is to do cross-country learning. And if we see that where speed is required is in how we can adapt our policy and strategies in different countries for the different institutions from schools, hospitals, you know, the different um, businesses. So how can we use AI to learn faster and allow us to adapt the lockdown measures and the, the um, relaxation measures quickly as possible. So I believe uh, we, we did uh, in many countries, we see great epidemiological research advising uh, the different uh, governments on how to, to proceed with the lockdown and how to reduce you know, the, the, the R factor and how to uh, manage the uh, epidemic or the pandemic. But what we could see even better is if how we can update that even in a much faster pace using uh, this technology with, with the different sources. So I believe there is a great opportunity. As we know, this is a long-term uh, uh, requires a long-term strategy and adapt, uh, requires us to adapt faster. That we will see more initiatives coming from there. Um, as I highlighted, the uncertainty for the citizens, for the caregivers, uh, for patients, uh, and uh, you know anyone could be a potential patient. You want to know what to do. You want to know. Um, you know, to, to, to care for your kids if they get it, how to care for yourself, for the elderly. And um, I think this is, this is a moment where, where we want to have the right information and how we can use AI to filter out the key information and to kind of structure it in a way that is easy for us to uh, action. Um, so one, I, uh, I remember one of my data scientists that the, when the, the, the pandemic started here in the, uh, in the UK, she was just back from China and been quarantined for two weeks. And as soon as she was out of quarantine, she decided I'm going back to China because it's safer there. Uh, I know how it was. I could see on my Corona app how far is the, uh, the next patient from me and so on. So how uh, the, the use of technology in China was advanced at the time. Uh, made her feel secure, and she's still there, by the way. Um, so, so I think it, there is a lot of lot of uh, uh, ways AI can contribute. For example, um, the, the social economic uh, consequences of COVID, as we know, it's 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 long lasting and it's significant. And uh, 
but we can learn, we must reinvent our healthcare system uh, in order to effectively deal with this out outbreak uh, again, but learn also to reshape it, um, to reshape it the way and uh, that that is needed. So um, at Okra, for example, we use um, machine learning to predict healthcare resources needs uh, in post-COVID world. Uh, just to give you an example, a life science companies need to continuously stay in touch with. Uh, the doctors with the investigators, and we know that there's been a period of a lockdown that we they couldn't go out and so on. But at the moment, they are in need of pr predicting that world post-COVID. So leveraging AI, using public, internal, and third-party data, new COVID data to learn from the current situation and establish the key changes that we need to happen across the different healthcare system on their performance in managing COVID outbreaks. So, uh, and and that there we provide insight around the resources to be allocated uh, to more effectively maximize the benefits for patients and minimize the cost for the different countries. And so empowering the people that are in contact with, 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 the, with the doctors and with the patients to uh, be prepared. As I say, it's almost a tunnel where we are right now and there is light at the end, we need to get prepared to to be uh, ready for uh, for for the post COVID world. Thank you for that. Um, it was really insightful to hear the sort of different relationships and connections that obviously AI um, has with other industries. But specifically, um, how can AI support the pharmaceutical industry in the fight against COVID? Um, right now and in the long term? So, uh, for, first of all, uh, it's it's like, you know, what we need to also uh, uh, not forget about, like, you know, with, with, with COVID, what happened is um, uh, almost all the resources were allocated to fight the pandemic, right? So, but at the same time, uh, we are in need of uh, healthcare services right so and this is the this is uh, you know probably one of the uh, uh, one of the bigger benefits that the the, the crisis is going to bring to the healthcare industry is to sh uh, talk about what are then the different channels right so first of all from our side reaching the HCPs right so I'm uh, from HCPs reaching their patients right so and this is the uh, we uh, were talking about here the telemedicine, right? So, and opportunities uh, of looking at the uh, the virtual channels, right? So, for 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 diagnosis, uh, I'll give an example, right? So, from from uh, from my side. So, in Germany, uh, we are very highly regulated, uh, and uh, uh, and my son uh, had a had a fever, uh, and his fever was not going down. Uh, although I know he didn't have the symptoms, I still needed to uh, actually, uh, you know, uh, uh, talk to the doctor because uh, you know I needed I needed a bit of an assurance. And it's the first time ever I've seen. I was the first uh, client, so there's an app in in Germany, and we were able to do virtual uh, uh, consultation sessions. So I was the first one to get registered. And I mean, with the with video camera, we did the session and I'm like, you know, it was a bacterial infection. So I got uh, subscribed antibiotics uh, and I picked it up directly from the pharmacy. 
I wouldn't have imagined this happening if it wasn't uh, for COVID, right? So I think one of the uh, definitely uh, what we will see a lot happening is then, uh, you know, this, this patient, um, you know, reach via, uh, you know, or patients being diagnosed and then, uh, having the having the access for the uh, for the for uh, for uh, the the uh, uh, services, right? So the other part is, of course, I think what is going to happen more and more is self-diagnostics, right? So we will see people uh, uh, taking a lot of precaution, right? So and getting to know and uh, wanna wanna care more for themselves, right? So, and this would, of course, uh, open up other channels, right? So this is, this is very important. So this is much more on the, on the probably the, the um, uh, uh, for, for the patient and then for the, uh, um, uh, like, you know, reaching, reaching out to the patients. Uh, of course, on the, on the research side, uh, I think uh, what we are seeing is like, you know, much more openness to uh, share data, Right. So and this is one of the elements, as we discussed, quite important for AI, because if you have the right data and you have uh, like, you know, access and you are able to leverage from that data and uh, you're getting better results uh, uh, in, in, in all areas. Right. So especially on the research uh, uh, and development side of the house. Right. So and what we can see is then uh, potentially all this data privacy rules, right? So we will see a bit of a, a probably much more openness uh, towards uh, sharing data. So this is one thing. And also I, uh, I believe uh, then uh, the, the regulations around, you know, uh, how fast uh, we can experiment and bring uh, certain research or development into production right so would also uh have a have a like you know positive impact right so we can see now we're all acting much much faster uh, than uh, we were uh, and uh, this i see uh, you know a positive impact also into the in how fast we can um, uh, we can bring the uh, uh bring uh, like you know our research into 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 real life right so so these are the, at least like you know two areas that i can comment right so uh yeah i think uh, to add to that um uh i think if we look to our to the life sciences so if your question is about how ai would help life sciences and the pharmaceutical I think, of course, pharma is, um, is the stakeholder who's going to come with the vaccine and they're working hard, but how can AI empower them and help them? I would say um, looking to what are we as an industry, if you look to life sciences, we're an evidence-based industry, okay? So we, are, uh, we can move, we can make um, a huge impact, but by getting the right evidence. But we know uh, the way we get evidence, it's a lengthy process, it's clinical trials, and it's, you know, we need to validate and we need to move. And so AI can help to speed up that. So process to generate evidence faster. And as uh, Ipek mentioned in different areas from how um, other stakeholders in the ecosystem interact with patients to how we can uh, improve the process internally. But if we look to the item about how can we speed up the evidence generation process, I think on different um, different levels, um, 
what I uh, see myself as the low hanging fruit uh, in pharma uh, and the way to speed up process is to empower uh, the teams to do their jobs faster. And just to give you an example, um, now we lost the face-to-face -face, uh, contact, not just in healthcare, it's everywhere. And uh, when we lose that, we lose the human aspects of the job. And a lot of jobs in life sciences are also a human uh, interaction. Uh, you have a new drug, you need um, to talk to the other stakeholders, to communicate its uh, effects, uh, how it works, to talk to the prescribers. To, and that's been a lot of driven with different channels, but also mainly face-to-face. -face. So one big change that's not just now during COVID, but also post-COVID, that will reduce, that will become minimal. As now Ipec tried the virtual app with her doctor, uh, and, and I know she's a very busy mom. I think the next time she will do it again. I'm not, I don't think you will, if you have the opportunity to do it, you don't want to waste the whole day going to the doctor and, and doing the, the face to face meeting. So what I want to say is uh, that process, uh, also CFOs, as one of my clients told me, we'll see how much they reduce on the budget for traveling. They will say, now you guys, you uh, communicate virtually. So that virtual communication will become the uh, new normal, uh, which means uh, communication to compensate on the human aspects. We need to be evidence-driven in our way of communication. Uh, so whether we are having a commercial function or a medical function or our market access function, we need to communicate uh, to the point with evidence and uh, to bring the message with the different stakeholders. Either we're talking to payers or to talking to healthcare providers um, or investigators that we work with. Um, and uh, to give you an example from my company, we have a field focus uh, system that is used by medical reps. Uh, so life sciences uh, commercial team to communicate with doctors around the different drugs. So during the COVID, uh, they are uh, having, um, they cannot have a face-to-face -face conversation, they have a remote conversation uh, or different channels. And we provide them with a Corona flag, which means we introduce the COVID status uh, to, to support them to know this is a busy practice with the moment with a lot of COVID patients don't even contact them at the moment. Uh, for this particular HCP, yes, we see that they are okay. You can have a remote conversation or you can send an email. And so in this way, they, um, they, are, um, they, they know what is happening. But even more, we adjusted the messaging because the system, the AI system provides suggestion on what to say, what to communicate about the prevalence of patients there. We adjusted the messaging to COVID. Uh, so the AI system learned from the, 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 the prevalence change in that practice and um, give them the right uh, the evidence-based communication that they can have with their, uh, with their doctors. Uh, another example is from the medical space where it is not about, it's less about uh, the direct effect on the patient or prescribers, but it's more about getting the right insight to drive collaboration with other teams, uh, with investigators, and to drive um, also the right research for, for the company. And what you see there, it's, it's not about driving prescription, it's about how can you get the right insight from all the information that is available, from new research to what is communicated in the last conferences to what is published. What is that unique insight that will drive value for my teams, that my teams won't waste time 
to do all research without bringing value. And um, that's where we have our MedCompass product. And it does exactly that, combine all the data from the medical notes, from the MSL, to uh, all the publications and clinical trials and score the content, not how much it, uh, uh, it brings value for the company, but more around how much it will deliver value for the future. Um, and I think that that reducing uncertainty, getting using AI to drive that value that will reduce a lot of resources for, for pharmaceutical companies uh, and also uh, solve the problem. The big problem now is that things are lost in translation in our communication with the stakeholders. So everyone is in their tunnel vision and they have uh, they only care about their own incentives. So how can we break those walls with AI to empower that and impart that speed? So I, I am really um, optimistic. I uh, I'm very very proud that that uh, I'm working in an industry that is evidence based from very very early on. Uh, it's just my frustration with this industry was this slow pace. And now I think uh, things are are uh, moving fast with the COVID. We can. Uh, learn how to generate evidence faster. Everyone is looking when is the vaccine for COVID will come and we need to do clinical trials faster. We need to move through the regulatory process faster. And I think uh, I am uh, optimistic and I see that there is a huge opportunity to change the way we work. Thank you um, both for sharing that. That was really, really interesting to hear. And with us, um, I guess, being faster in our, our adoption towards creating a new normal, um, which I think all of us are trying to figure out, um, will this be the start of a digital revolution in healthcare? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ifek, you want to go for it? I mean, uh, that, that definitely. Um, I think it's, uh, as you said, I mean, I, I, I really like the the, uh, this evidence based, as you said, right? So data driven. So uh, what we will see is uh, like, you know, significant adaption of the digital channels, right? So uh, as I've said, more from the HCP side with the right recommendation to the right patients, right? So, and as we said, patients reaching uh, actually like, you know, the, uh, the, the getting the right medical advice, right? So I'm with that also uh, in this case payers right so coming into the into the place with the insurance uh, or governments right so getting them the right evidence uh, and and connections right so this is this is one thing i think overall uh, much more openness for experimentation right so and much faster uh, uh, than uh, collaboration also among the uh, different groups uh, in terms of, uh, you know, bringing the uh, drug discovery, right, so much, much faster and also uh, potentially reducing significant costs in the, uh, in, the, in the overall operations, right, so if we are talking about the clinical trials as such, right, uh, faster recruitment of the, of, the, of the patients, right, so with the right channels uh, and uh, I think um, uh, there will be also an openness to share the data, as we said, right? So, and um, with all this, uh, I think this would be a start of a digital revolution, right? So, our industry, as such, uh, uh, as as you said, is a slow pace. Right? Uh, it's highly regulated, of course. Like you know, it's it's human life, right? So you just cannot risk it. 
Uh, however, um, I think definitely this crisis is is gonna uh, accelerate uh, at least uh, with the uh, uh, with taking into account, of course, uh, you know, all still all those regulations, but doing it in a fast forward way. Uh, I I I genuinely believe that. Yeah, I completely agree. I think mm -hmm. uh, this. It takes pandemic to change this giant here, the, the ecosystem. And I, um, I, I once was doing an analysis or an analogy between the AI history and the healthcare history. And uh, if you look to the uh, uh, cholera epidemic in the 1832, uh, was that I remember. And um, at that moment, uh, I think in France, um, the uh, a lot of um, discussion was around reforming healthcare. To uh, and they called it back then to a probabilistic uh, calculus or uh, kind of a probabilistic medicine, and um, because um, what what happened back then is that um, there was um, more focus. How can we um, provide healthcare and avoid people dying from cholera? Uh, but then, as a uh, emphasis in the epidemiology and the social medicine side, um, so by and, and, and driving what we call uh, prevention rather than treatment. And that is a long time back. Uh, but what happened, uh, there was a big defeat back then of this public health care movement, uh, I think 10 years after. Uh, and then the, 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 what we call, they call it the embryonic form of the new healthcare system, clinical medicine, that we specialize in very, very narrow areas. And that, that is what resulted in what we know today as hospital-based medicine. I do believe, I do believe in preventive medicine. I do believe that that's where we're going. And uh, maybe we couldn't do it back then, um, but today we have uh, technologies that allow us to do it. We also identify that diseases that are not that simple as we know them before. Um, that we need to look for many aspects to the, from the genome to the demographics to the lifestyle. Uh, like just simple diseases like diabetes. I mean, you have the insulin, it's great, but you cannot bring radical innovation to the space because you need people to change behavior. And I think this uh, change in, in perception of how we can provide a sustainable healthcare for the 10 billion population that is coming in 2050, I think uh, will will uh, start happening, especially now the pressure is on us to be quick, to get the vaccine quicker, to to help uh, our countries to go back on their feet. And um, I see that with AI, uh, which for me is uh, a technology, machine learning that provides us with this individualized uh, outcome prediction, and that we can make this probabilistic or preventive medicine reality again, we will start shifting away from the specialized care, not, not at once, but we will start realizing it is more than, you know, giving a, a pill and waiting for the patient to heal. It is a, much bigger than that. And I think this, the, the shift will, um, will happen faster than we anticipated. And if we have things to learn from this pandemic, just like back then in the, in the 80s, uh, blah, blah, in the cholera epidemic, that um, we we should not continue to provide healthcare as we know it. As as uh, Ipex said around the telemedicine, um, I mean what COVID did really, if you look at it, it's been like blue testing our the resiliency of our healthcare system across the world. So and we uh, we learned lessons. We learned 
uh, we can learn how to reinvent our healthcare system in terms of resources, in terms of how we communicate with the patients, or in terms of the workflow to deal with this capacity. So I think um, we are giving birth to this probabilistic medicine that uh, this will be uh, to think about everyone, not just one person, because we're all in here and considering the healthcare system as a whole and building a, a, a very, very powerful ecosystem uh, beyond one country. Uh, we're talking about the whole world here, uh, increasing the trust um, using the internet, using the, the access to, um, to uh, broadband and um, driving, driving uh, I think, probability medicine at scale uh, with this technology. And I, I believe this is, this is the time. Thank you so much. Um, so basically, to summarize, the answer is yes, there will be a huge um, revolution. And I think um, obviously the key thing that I learned from it is it's only possible if we take the opportunity right now, um, if we, you know, learn our lessons from what we're going through right now and obviously create a better future. Um, so I guess um, just passing it back now, I guess, to our listeners um, who have joined us today, um, please raise your hand um, and I'll send you a chat message or directly send it in the chat box um, if you have any questions. But there has been one that's already come in um, from earlier um, to yourself, Lubna. Can you highlight how AI is playing a role in the COVID research for the cure? So far, we're seeing machine learning and AI coming up with predictive models and insights. Um, yeah, I think on different levels, um, AI um, providing uh, the supporting the COVID research. I think from um, I think definitely on the drug development, a lot of work is done. Uh, I'm more familiar with, uh, for example, uh, using uh, on later uh, looking into the learnings from the different countries. How can we use AI to learn about uh, what strategies we should be using, uh, given the different um, variables from the country, from the culture. Uh, and uh, because it's not just one up, it will be not just one peak, there will be maybe few peaks. How can we intervene and use AI to predict that? Uh, I think that one area that um, we need AI uh, to help. Other areas is, uh, as Ipek as, uh, in one of the answers, she, she, talk, she, she talked about what, what about the other patients? We call it the, the silent voice. Many patients are not are avoiding to go to hospitals or doctors at the moment, and um, many countries have been calling them, please come. Normally, the cardiovascular departments uh, are forward patients in the, uh, uh, in the normal circumstances. Where are the, the, those patients? So I think using AI to intervene faster to predict what cases, uh, what patients we should contact, uh, and uh, make sure that uh, we're not uh, uh, losing sight of the other patients uh, is crucial. Um, yeah, other applications, as I said, is around preparing uh, everyone uh, from patients to healthcare professionals for the post-COVID situation. Um, and not in the sense providing what policies need to be done, but more around uh, reducing the uncertainty of that world on the on the uh, individual by individual needs uh, so for for um, 
for doctors this different than for patients, uh, for professionals that need to be in interaction with the healthcare providers. Um, so uh, all in all, um, using data to reduce the uncertainty of tomorrow and um, driving uh, driving our uh, actions to the right way to to manage this uh, pandemic uh, in the right way uh, with the minimal um, uh, losses uh, in life as well as uh, the economical ones, I think is crucial. Thank you. Um, we have another question from Annette um, asking, what are your thoughts on using AI systems created and trained on localized data in the UK or EU, as opposed to implement solutions from other parts in the world? Um, okay, uh, I can answer part of that. Um, I mean, if we have a lesson to learn here from COVID, this is not a country problem. It's it's much much wider, and we know that it starts somewhere and it propagates fast. Uh, then we anticipate, and so it is not. Uh, yes, we can do local uh, training of AI systems to provide local suggestions, but finally, this is a global problem. Uh, we need to work together. Uh, I think we're um, we're naive if we think we can solve this in isolation. Uh, example is the Corona app. Yes, great that we have every country are trying to do it within their regulations, uh, but we know that people travel in Europe. We know that uh, we need to find a solution and uh, not only European, we need to find a solution that is scalable enough, that is global enough, that can handle <clears throat> the scale of this pandemic uh, at the same time without compromising on our ethical values uh, in, in Europe. Yep, I mean, I can I, I, I can add to that one. Uh, I also think that this is a, a like, you know, we have a global problem here, right? So to solve not not individual countries. What we see is, uh, I think, as I've said, some uh, like, you know, corporations among uh, uh, corporates, right? So in order to, uh, you know, collaborate on the vaccine, right? So uh, like, you know, it's it, it, the, the, on the pharma side. Uh, what I just want to highlight is, uh, of course, uh, like uh, especially models are being built uh, uh, in the in the sense of understanding the nature of the virus itself, right? So how does it spread, right? So and eventually, um, you know, uh, what is then the infection rate and so on and so forth. As you get much more samples, right? So from the uh, from the from the uh, like you know institutions or local institutions. Uh, then you get better at it. Uh, and uh, what I what I see is at a certain stage, uh, you know, this algorithms will be uh, eventually shared among the institutes in order to enrich, like you know, kind of the the, the models and trying to understand uh, the the virus much much better, right? So and uh, uh, in 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 this in this context. Uh, uh, I think there are ways to do it, but probably at this stage, uh, uh, I, I think the, the the countries indeed are looking at their own uh, uh, own data, and uh, eventually we need to get much much better at the the, the collaboration part, right? So, uh, and uh, you know, this this is a unique opportunity for this. 
Perfect. Thank you um, both for your answers. Um, the last question that we've got coming so far is from Hannah and she's, I think it's more of a, prof a personal professional question is how can you get involved with um, the AI and the support that it's doing specifically in response to COVID-19? Um, so for example, you might not necessarily be working in a specific AI or a pharmaceutical or a healthcare organization is there any advice that either of you can share um, on how people can get involved with the cause and the fight? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a good question, but a tough one, <laughs> I must say. And uh, I think um, to be involved, um, what we can do as citizens or as uh, patients, um, I think um, um, a dependence on, on um, the different country of those schemes are available. There is um, patient donation schemes or there are a few platforms that are already saying, guys, uh, can you please, uh, where they're collecting data, just samples around voice of patients that they are building some voice detection software or they are detecting uh, or they are training the system for, for COVID, like just for, for example, for um, uh, ex-COVID patients to donate their plasma um, uh, for uh, for research or for other patients. Um, and um, I think there are a number of platforms, either private or, or uh, work with academia or with uh, governments where you can donate your data. So, and and this is a quite an important thing that, and we will see it more and more coming is uh, patient donation schemes that you can donate your data as patient to train AI systems to get better and better. Uh, I think that will, one one simple thing that we can do. There are more other things uh, that we can do is increase the voice. I mean, uh, I remember um, I was in this conference talking uh, in Europe. Data privacy is very important uh, and uh, rightly so. Uh, but we need to create content and and more patients uh, are aware and trying to and and uh, aware about the possibility to be able to um, to contribute to the AI research but also as patient organizations we can speed the conversation uh, we can speed also the adoption of AI in some spaces as we see that uh, it is not, uh, there's a lot of regulatory frameworks uh, in in uh, healthcare in life sciences uh, but the increased voice of patients or organizations around getting faster specific treatments and specific AI technologies in the trials or, or even having more flexible clinical trials for very specific disease areas. I think that's, that's, uh, uh, it will be great if uh, patients are and, and uh, the citizens are more aware about that. And, um, and, and just the increased use really adopt themselves, like everyone to adopt and move and shift to telemedicine and fast using you know, virtual apps uh, and contribute to the shift and say, guys, or ask for your local doctor, we want to do it differently. And um, uh, this is the things I can think of. Maybe Ipek, uh, you have a more? Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I just need to uh, get the question right. So as, a, as an individual, how you can fight, but I think the question was around like, you know, how uh, how the, the the person uh, having the having the AI background can uh, can support right? So I I don't know if the the, the question was uh, also if the if, if if the person that is asking has also data science knowledge right? So uh, what I know is uh, 
uh, I mean, uh, adding to Lobna, right? So what is happening at the moment is there are a different set of uh, uh, hackathons happening, right? So like, you know, beat the pandemic. So uh, for example, MIT is, is leading that effort. And uh, like, you know, a group of uh, data scientists are, uh, and also like, you know, uh, I think uh, 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 you don't need to be a data scientist, right? So, but uh, especially like, you know, it, it, it has been very popular among the data science community is they get together, they work on ideas and eventually they bring those ideas into, uh, you know, what, what we can do next, right? So taking the ideas and looking at the experimentation, right? So. And I know that there's a couple of those, uh, like heck, Corona was one of the other ones, right? So there's a this mm -hmm. set of, uh, uh, if if you go on, uh, there's this set of like you know uh, initiatives uh, that are especially coming from the from the universities or from the uh, from the communities around like uh, bringing the the data scientists together in order to to. Uh, uh, work together uh, to for a, for a, for a better cause, right? So that's that's what I can point as well uh, uh, as as some examples. I, I think there was a. Uh, I mean, I I also was checking the chat, right? So uh, there was a question like, you know, what we are talking about is not necessarily AI, but it's data science. It's actually like, you know, you're right. Uh, so in in some cases, you know, the the terminology is being used in uh, also talking about advanced analytic methods, right? So not uh, like, you know, we, uh, when we're talking about data, right? So there is the, of course, uh, you're using much more the data science methodology, like more machine learning and, uh, and other methods to, uh, to come on, uh, to come with like, you know, insights uh, or recommendations, definitely. And when we're talking about, about AI, indeed, it's a learning system, right? So, and in order to do that, uh, it, it requires uh, eventually like, you know, much more uh, uh, time and, uh, and, a, and, a, and at the end, like this, this learning system and recommendation systems over the time, right? So indeed, some of the examples we have given uh, may not necessarily be uh, like, you know, the, the hardcore AI definition, but it's, uh, or using the other data science techniques, right? So uh, just a comment, you're, you're, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I, I see it a lot. Like, uh, I think <laughs> at, at, at the beginning, it is, you know, you start uh, with, with the data science, you see if it is possible or not. Uh, mm -hmm. to to predict, uh, but then once you put it to production, for example, if it is a hospital management system or it is a, a tool that um, uh, provides suggestions for teams, uh, then uh, it needs to work day and night, it needs to handle missing data, it needs to be user-friendly, then it is an AI system and needs to refresh itself uh, by every data feed, then it's uh, AI, but at the beginning, Yes, you do data science to check if it is possible at all or if it's not possible to automate. So uh, I completely agree. <laughs> Thank you um, for answering all the questions and mm -hmm. obviously just doing that clarification as well um, from Charlotte and obviously thank you to the both of you for sharing your insight and expertise um, specifically on how COVID-19 can be the accelerator of AI adoption in healthcare and why this is the right time for AI. Um,
Follow us to stay updated on our latest podcast releases or for more content and opportunity to connect with the fastest growing women in tech community, head to ascend.women-in-technology.com.